got the oracle here unfortunately all three boys are indisposed this week so i thought i'd give everyone a bit of a, a preview of the racing for the weekend so you're not going away empty-handed now it's it's obviously not going to be as funny without the boys they're throwing a bit of banter and all that kind of stuff so don't be surprised if we lose a bit of listeners off this so i won't be offended so don't worry by that so we'll probably just do a bit of a breakdown like we always do of the the bets that have happened over the last week um, any horses to follow if we've got any, and then we'll probably move into Randwick with the big Group One card there. Talk about Bendigo as well, and then any sort of around the grounds and any sort of bets there for the Thursday, Friday, and even over the weekend that I'm pretty keen on. So I thought let's kick things off with um, just a review of our bets. Uh, it was a, it was a mixed day out there on on the weekend. We certainly I gave a good push for Goldman in the in the Roy Higgins, and he duly saluted by about four lengths. So. I think he's a really, really bright horse going towards the Spring Carnival, but I'm really quite surprised that he's been wound into favouritism for the Melbourne Cup because I think there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we move into that Spring Carnival. And I don't think the Roy Higgins has really offered any sort of form horses moving into the Cups. So it'll be interesting to see what internationals come out, and and I wouldn't be taking that all in price for him, definitely. Um, Benedetta was very, very good in that race that was won by What You Need. I think she was beaten by the barrier more than anything. Um, when we look at it, what you need had the had the gun barrier on the outside, came down the really in superior ground. Benedetta, like if you look at it through the probably that no probably the eight hundred meter mark, she was really really struggling and looked like it was running in quicksand. She then shifted over to the outside rail to the outsider of the track, and you could see her really trucking through to the line. So I think if you switch the runs, um, and I think Benedetta wins, and I can't wait to see what she's going to produce in the spring. I think she's a real group talent, and I don't know, who knows? I know that Jason Warren threw out the the ambitious chat about an Everest in, in 2023, so we'll wait and see. I know she's a very good horse, and I think um, I think you can follow her with, with a lot of confidence. Uh, I also threw out the the international horse in Equinox, who duly saluted in the in the Shima Classic uh, over there in Dubai. Won by about five lengths with his with his head in the, in the air. He was just immense, and he's now taken the number one rating in the world, where he beat an elite field. So I think you would probably won't get that price about him again. I know that I saw that he drifted out to two forty on Betfair late. Uh, in the piece, which was really, really interesting. So I don't know who, what sort of big syndicates or anything like that took a set against him, but I know I took that good price and I was very, very happy when, uh, when I watched him trucking over, uh, come, around the, uh, come around the bend into that straight. Um, I'll touch on a horse that actually ran third to him last start in the Arena McKinnon, and I'm, I'm pretty keen on its chances in, in the Group 1 in Japan on Sunday at Hanshin, but I'll talk about that. Um, let's touch on the, the Group 1s over the weekend. So Cascadian duly saluted in the Australian Cup. Um, he was just the class horse in the field. He got the break. It was a brilliant ride from Ben Mellum, and uh, rest, rest were, were pretty poor, really. So I don't think there's much to say about that. I thought it was a very weak Australian Cup. I think one of the weaker ones um, in recent history. And I think if you take Cascadian out of that, it was, it was borderline a, a handicap race, to be honest. 
Um, the Vinery Stud Stakes, which was run by the New Zealand filly, uh, Prowess. Now, I continue to have egg on my face about potting the, the New Zealand the New Zealand form coming over here, and I think every single one of them has really performed. Um, so she was another one that's done that. I, I really liked Pavitra in that race. I didn't obviously make it a bet for us purely for the fact that Prowess was in the race. Um, she was simply too good. The interesting thing, though, with that is that the figure that they put up, it was actually, I think, the slowest of the 2,000-meter races on the day. So I wouldn't be heading into, like, taking horses out of that with confidence. And again, Pavitra had all the favors up on speed. So I would be concerned with her heading towards an Oaks next week um, just because I think there's a lot better horses and a lot more progressive horses this weekend. And I'll, I'll touch on that in the Adrian Knox here at Randwick this weekend. Um... Prowess is obviously off for a spell now, so she won't be contesting the Oak. So I hope no one took the all-in price about her. But, but, but the trainer, he was um, he was adamant that she was going to be spelled and that she's probably a 2,000-meter horse and, and she wouldn't be stretched over that trip. Uh, the tanker had taken out by Arafeo, who, if we look back 12 months, was battling there in BM70s and, and handicap races, has now won a, a weight for age group one. Uh, I did mention, obviously, in the podcast last week that RFA was very good in that Canberra Canberra Cup, as was um, Explosive Jack. It was a brilliant ride from from Rachel King, and I think that might be... I think it's Bjorn Baker's maybe second or third group one. I'm not sure. So, obviously, being the character in racing that he is, I think he was pretty ecstatic to take home a weight for age group one, which was pretty awesome. Uh, I thought Gold Trip was just beaten by Race Strape. I'm, I think the jury's out on him now because I, I was really loved his first up run there behind Steinem and, and Keats, well, with Keats. And then the race shape last start in the in the round wasn't good for him. And then the Tancred was a similar sort of thing. So I'm not sure if he's looking for the 3,200 metres in the Sydney Cup for next week. And I uh, haven't got any news from, from any of the owners or whether they're, they're eyeing off a QE or whether they're going to go down the Sydney Cup route. But... Jury's out with him, so I've got a little bit of concerns with him moving forward. I thought Montefilia, considering the circumstances in the race, was massive. So she actually got trotted on down the straight, and and Dylan Gibbons went to to try and um, pull her up out of the race, and she wanted to keep trucking. So he was like, "All right, well, obviously she's she's keen to keep going." And and yeah, he he she trucked to the line for a, a really nice placing, and I think heading towards a QE, I think she's 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 certainly a chance. You'll probably get a decent price about her, but she, she's just a tough little horse, and yeah, I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, Cleveland, the international import, was was very good. I think with the massive weight drop that he's going to get in the Sydney Cup, I think he's a live chance, and I know, even though I'm not a big fan of his, Voldemort came out and said that the horse is heading perfectly towards that 3,200 metres. So I think if, if you the horse is to take out of that race, Montefilia heading towards the QE, she might be a bit outclassed by some of those top-line horses. Um, and then obviously you've got Cleveland heading towards the um, the Sydney Cup. Uh, in terms of horses to follow, I didn't really see a lot of horses moving forward because it is the a lot of the the, the races over the these coming weeks in Sydney are grand finals for a lot of horses. So you'll find that they'll end up going for a spell now for a lot of them. But there was one I really caught my eye was Lord Ardmore. 
So he he came about, what, seventh or eighth in his race, but he really picked up late, and I loved his last 200 metres towards the line. So I'm not sure where they're heading to with him, but I think if we can look to back him up in trip, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him pop up in a Brisbane Winter Carnival moving forward. So I think put Lord Ardmore in, in your black book, and if he gets the right uh, race shape and gets a good jockey booking, I think he can be in the winner's circle this prep. All right, so let's move on to this weekend's racing. So day one of the championship. So this is arguably the grand final for a lot of horses here in the autumn. And, and to be honest, it's, it's my favourite time of the year of racing. I do love the spring carnival and, and, and what it's all about. But in terms of the quality of racing, I think the championships is is definitely one of, one of the better two days of racing in Australia. So we're at Randwick. Um, I think they got about 10 mils or, or they had a decent amount of rain on Wednesday and then they're expecting maybe 10 mils leading up to Saturday and maybe some showers on the day. So it'll be interesting to see how the track plays. So I think it was rated a soft six when I last looked at it, but it wouldn't surprise me if we're in the good four soft five rain come race time. Now the rail's in the true position, which is fantastic, which usually offers fair racing there at Randwick. So we've got four Group 1s on the card. We've got one Group 2, four Group 3s in the country championships, which is actually a really, really good race, and we'll touch on that. So I'm thinking I might touch on all the races in numerical order. I'll have my little piece, and I'm not sure if there's going to be any tips given out on this podcast yet, um, purely for the fact that there's a lot of water to go under the bridge with this weather. And I do like to check and see what some of the pro punters are doing in terms of their betting and seeing what, what their opinions in certain races are. But um, I'll, I'll, give some, I'll give some pushes for some horses and, and I'll just have my say, I guess. So I think t- the first race, obviously, there's a Group 3 Widden Kindergarten Stakes there for the, for the two-year-olds. So this is, you'll see a lot of like the B-grade two-year-olds coming up in this race and it's raced over the 1100. So you would have seen Barber who was in the... In the Golden Slipper, he ran a ninth. Um, you've got Godfather there, who had a really good start up here in Queensland. And and then you had Libertad, who was at a really, really good debut run. And I can see that um, that horse has been met with a lot of market support. I think the, the Colt opened around the 480 mark, and he's into around the 380 mark now. So either the owners are pretty keen on him or, or the figure coming out of that Kenzo run in, on the 22nd of March is really, really good. So I... Personally, I don't like this race um, from a betting perspective, just because there's just so many unknowns, so many, the, the, all these junior junior horses who, very inexperienced and can do a lot of things wrong. But one thing you can obviously look at is Barber is probably the experienced horse. He was a one-time Golden Slipper favourite, and then obviously won first up, and then has flopped ever since. You've got Introducing, who was within two lengths of um, of Shinzo, who obviously we know went on to win the Golden Slipper. We've got that Libertad, who I touched on earlier. It was a very, very good first-up win by about two and a half lengths at the Kenzo. And then also, I could make even a case for, for the Godfather and Destructive Diva, who were both very, very good. So in terms of this race, I think it's quite wide open. And because of the inexperience of these two-year-olds, I don't really, really want to have a bet. All right, so moving into race two, which is the which is the Carbine Club. So this is a race over the mile there. So it's for Group 3, uh, race for, for three-year-olds. So as you can see at the top of the market there, we've got Ossipenko. So it's a really confusing market because Ossipenko is also in the Doncaster. So I'm not sure where um, where Waller is going with this, but he's obviously booked J-Mac here. So 
At a dollar eighty-five, I think he brings the, the the best form lines of any horse moving into this, and I think finally getting out to the miles a really really positive thing for him. And I'm still surprised that he didn't go to that um, that Rose Hill Guineas over the two thousand meters, instead opting to to go to the George Ryder behind Animo. But I thought with Nash on board, him running. Um, a really gallant seventh, and, and within one and a half lengths of Animo, Fangirl, Converge, and Artorius, like it's a pretty good effort for a three-year-old. So I think with him in the market, I think he's the best horse in the race, and I think getting to Randwick is a really positive thing. But if he comes out, God, it just it opens up this this race, and I honestly it, it makes me more grey not seeing him in this. So I know that I've got Zoe's Promise, who I said in, a, in previous podcasts as, as being a black booker. Like, I really liked her run behind um, Meridius and at Flemington there over the 1400. And I think she'll be really, really suited there over the mile. Um, there's a bit of pressure up front here. So I have her leading from... I have the Fortune Teller using that inside gate rolling forward. I have Cosmic Field, Glint of Silver, and My Truth from the outside barriers all rolling forward. So I think there'll be a bit of pressure up front, which... Which will be interesting, and the pace I think in the race will be moderate. So I don't think where I think the back markers will certainly get their chances. So with her in this field, I, I, I I'm I'm not willing to make anything a bet because I just want to see what's happening with with Osipenko. And we've got to remember Zoe's Promise is also nominated for a race at Morfittville, which I actually think is a better race set up for her. And I think she's drawn the inside pole there as well, and I think she can lead that race down at Morfittville and and be very very tough to beat. So. I don't really want to say anything about race two here also. So, sorry that I'm not delivering anything for anyone, but um, yeah, that's just that's just how the races are. So now we move on to race three. So this is the chairman quality for 2,600 metres. So this is probably your last of your lead-up races towards the Sydney Cup. Now, as you can see, there's a lot of B-graders getting around. I think you can make a case that Benno's a very good horse, and I think finally getting up to his trip of 2,000 metres is a really, really good thing. And I thought he was relatively sound behind Zarek, Sunshine Rising, and Gear Up last start. Um, so I think he's a good starting point in this race. And I think $7 is a really good price for him. I know Stockman is a horse that we've all got an opinion of. Sam Clipperton on board, which is great. I wasn't sold about his run in the tankard behind Arafeo. Like, he, he, he was good, but he, and he, he crossed it. Like, Gold Trip beat him home, and obviously I said I had pots on Gold Trip before. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on this race, and I find it really, really challenging, some of these staying handicaps. So, one thing I do like, though, in this race is, is Rebel Racer. So... I, I think I've said this before in the past with the... Um, he's, he's actually been scratched, sorry. So I've said this before in the past. I'm a big fan of the Yagis as, as trainers. So I'd keep an eye on Rebel Racer. I think he's a really, really good horse. And he's a, he was originally bought as a jumper. So the fact that he's competing here is really interesting. I'm not sure if he's in the Sydney Cup field, but if you can get him down on a light weight, and he, I think he could be a chance there. But um, yeah, so in terms of with him coming out and, and the race being quite open... As it is, I, I'm not keen to play here either. So this is an interesting race, and this is a race I really, really like. And there's a couple of various angles here that we could have with 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 this. So we've got this is the, the Group Three Adrian Knox over 2,000 meters, and this is this is um, the last of the, of the main lead-ups towards the the ATC Oaks, which is next weekend on um, on the Championships Day Two. So. I think personally, this is just my my opinion. I think we're going to see the Oaks winner come out of this race, and and not that of the Vinery Stud last weekend. Obviously, Prowess was very good in winning, but the way that the race figured, I don't like it moving forward. And I think there's a lot of really progressive horses in this race that 
uh, I think have a better platform moving into a 2,500 meter race. So I think I want to touch on um, the, the interesting horse here is you'll see is, is sequestered with, with J-Mac booked. Now, I think, I'm not sure if any of the punters know I've followed history or anything like that. So if you look at the prep that she's having, it's very similar to that of what happened with uh, Colette, which was maybe two, three years ago. So she came out of a BM64, I think it was at Kem Lagrange, and then she uh, went to the Adrian Knox, won very, very convincingly, and then backed up a week later and then pissed it in in the oak. So we go through Sequestia's history. Like she kicked off her with, with a lot of trials and then kicked off over 1,100 metres um, in the start of January. Um, was, was sound in that race, but we know it's, it's very short of her best. We then moved into a 1,200-metre maiden over the um, at Kembla Grange, where she was also very good with Rachel King. She then broke her maiden over 1,400, very similar to that of um, Colette. And then we've moved into Hawkesbury, the 1,500 metres, where she also was very, very good finishing the line, giving every indication that she'll see out 2,000 metres. She's had a trial in between runs over the 1,200 metres, and I just think she's primed and ready for this race. Um, she'll handle all going, so she's one on soft, she's one on good, and she's handled the heavy. So regardless of the track condition on, on Saturday, I think she'll be right in it. And obviously we've got J-Mac on board. Now, I know we've got the J-Mac tax happening here, so you, you're probably not going to get a good price about her, but I think she's the I think she's seat 1A for this um, Oaks that's happening next weekend, and I really, really like her. Again, I'm not sure about the odds of 240. I think it's quite short, considering you've got some really, really good horses here that you've got a good opinion on, so like the John O'Shea horse, um, Promise, uh, prom, prom whatever you want to say, is she was very good over the 1,900 metres, so she's got that long, um, almost 2,000 metre run under her belt. She was very good there at Gosford in the Class 1. Uh, she's by contributor, so she knows she's going to run the trip. And John O'Shea is absolutely flying, and he always seems to have a good good way with these horses. And and we know Chad Schofield is a wonderful jockey there. <coughs> You've also got um, Zach Purton, who can never never discount. Like I thought, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this horse. A A D V or E D V or whatever was she was very good over the mile in a maiden. Brock Ryan on board. So again, another horse is very progressive. So. I think it's quite an open field, but I think if, I, if you had to gun to my head with this bet, I'd be looking down the road of, of sequestered. And I think if she, if you like her in this race, I'd take her in the odds. Because if, obviously if she wins in that odds, uh, this race this weekend, we know her odds are going to be slashed come, on, come Saturday next week. So that brings us to race five now, which is the, the country championships. Now, it's really hard this race because you've got the best country horses going around. And there's so many different form lines. So I've got a really good opinion of, of uh, Ak Akasawa, which is the Paul Masara horse, which is actually favourite. I've also been on uh, to Talbraga, I think he's pronounced it. Sir Ravenali is coming out of some really good races and that have rated very well and has got two wins on the trot. I've been on Bean Foggy before. Uh, Running Bear is a very, very good horse, continues to continues to run well and drops in weight. Ashley Morgan continues the association. So I think, and even Casino Lord is quite a good horse, but he's not actually in the field yet. So you can make a case for a lot of these horses and, and it's a great little prize money of 500K for, for these country country trainers. To be honest, I don't want to have a bet in this race, but um, if it was a gun to my head, I'd be going uh, the favourite just because I think Aaron Bullock had the option to pick 
between uh, Akasawa and Talbraga, and he's, he's obviously obviously taken Akasawa. So the barrier is a bit of a concern for me, um, but the good thing is the horse handles um, soft going, so very lightly raced horse with a, with a lot of ability. So again, not a bet for me, but it's certainly a race that I'm keen to watch and, and I'll be cheering him home. So that brings us to race six. So this is the first group of the group ones and, and the second leg of the two-year-old triple crown. So obviously the first leg is, is the golden slipper. We then move the 1,400 English size and then you've got the 1,600 metre champagne stakes. Um, the, I think it's the week after um, championships day two. So again, we've, we've got some very good horses in this race, very good two-year-olds. And there's a lot of different form lines here, which is really, really interesting. So we've got Cylinder, obviously, who's been... Arguably the form two-year-old of, the, of this prep. He's run second in a golden slipper to Shinzo, beating a lot of good horses. We've got V8 there, who's who's got a, the 1,400-meter under its belt, has put up some very, very good figures, and um, there's a lot of boom on it. We've got Brave Mead, who's by Brave Smash. is a really good up-and-coming um, stallion up there that was previously with, the, with Darren Weir. He was very, very good in the Mooney Valley race last weekend. He let it up, had a good speed, kicked on the bend and gave nothing else a chance. And then you got Don Corleone, who was, was really, really good in the slipper. Um, he comes out of the Blue Diamond. So I have a few little concerns with him having his, this. Is, is this considered his third grand final or is he really coming through? Again, we know Peter and Paul Snow are great, um, great trainers of young horses. And then we've got Cafe Millennium, who uh, renews their relationship with Tommy Marquand, gets back to Randwick, because I know I've said I had concerns with the horse around the hairpin at Rose Hill. So he finally gets back to Randwick, gets up in trip, and a bigger field. So I think you can you look at where he's going to have a bit more pace up front and gives him the chance to really launch at them late. So I think this race is a nightmare because of all the different um, form lines. So... Honestly, you could come to me and, and make a case for a lot of these horses in this field and I wouldn't talk you out of them. Um, and again, we, even with a gun to my head, I'd, I'd struggle to put a, a bet down, but I'd probably say V8 purely from the fact that he's had the 1,400 metre under his belt and uh, I think there's a big, big boom on this fella moving forward. And again, he's handled good and soft decks. So that would be the only reason and I'm not sure whether Cylinder... Like, I understand Cylinder's having his fourth run this prep, but... Is this an afterthought? I don't know. So really, really tough race, really good race. But yeah, gun to my head, I'd probably go V8 from Brave Mead, Cylinder, and then Cafe Millennium storming down the outside. All right, so that brings us to the first, the quaddy legs. So first race uh, of the quaddy, the TJ Smith, the, the sprint race, which is just a cracker, isn't it? Have a look at this field. You've got the, the new kids on the block in, in Giga Kick, in Secret, uh, Passive Aggressive, Lofty Strike. So... You've got those guys coming through, and then you've got the old bull in Nature Strip, the new Wish I, I Wish I Win, Private Eye, uh, Mazu, Lost and Running is resuming. So, honestly, I could make a case for the top nine in this market, to be honest. And I think it's this is just going to be such an interesting race. Now, I think one thing that we need to take in, I think people will always forget this, is think about when was the last time Nature Strip lost his grand final. That's the thing that I've, that's got me, that's in my head with this. Now, I know like 550 is a ridiculous price for a champion horse who's, who's won three t- TJs before. So we know he's an autumn horse. I do concede, though, that he's been a bit lackluster coming up. Like, I think his run in the Group li- group 1 Lightning was was very lackluster running six. But he, he, was, he was first up. We've got to remember that. He does have a decent first up record. But I think 
as he's got older, I think 1,200 metres around a bend is a better race shape for him more than anything. And we've got to remember as well as all of Nature Strip starts, he's had Eduardo up there pestering him for the lead. If we look at this race, like if we have a look here on the on 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 the speed map, who's going to lead with him? I and I, I don't know. Like I've I've got passive aggressive rolling forward as is Mazu from from the barrier, and we've got Shades of Rose and Miramia who can sit handy as can Lawson running. But I don't see them jumping up and and pestering or, or pressuring Nature Strip. So I have them rolling at a really fast speed, which is the perfect setup for him. So again. I, it's it's so hard to want to bet against a champion horse like him. Like he's the he's earned twenty million dollars. He's won the last three TJs. He's won an Everest. Like you can't question him. And again, we know Chris Wally's He's the ultimate grand final trainer. Look what he did to him in having prepped and ready for that Royal Ascot run, which was just enormous. So he's a really 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 good live chance and 550 is a ridiculous price considering if you look at his sp profile like i'm just looking back through his runs over the last like his last two years i don't think he started with anything shorter than two dollars fifty so to get 550 about an absolute champion racehorse who's going to get the race to suit it's a good price to find out. And I know a lot of people listening to this, friends, and, and I know Connie will, will, will be on me about this, saying he's gone. I would never put a pen through through Nature Strip. And to be honest, I would love to see him win a fourth TJ, stamp himself as Australia's second best ever sprinter behind Black Caviar and maybe take over Target. Um, it'd just be, it'd be brilliant to see. But we'll wait and see. I think Giga Kick is primed for this race, is drawn extremely well. You've got Zach Purton uh, on board. Now, we know a perfect example of what he did to Communist and who was the Artorius last, last time he was out here in Australia. So he's an elite jockey on an elite horse who I think is primed and ready. I have concerns about them in secret. I think all her best figures have come from up the Flemington Strait, which is interesting. And I thought, like, it... Her rant, like she's she's decent at Rambic, but I think she's better suited to Rose Hill, and she's got she does have a wonderful record. Like she she's never missed the trifecta here and all the Quinella track and distance, but that's been against her own age bracket. So this is now open class fields, and I don't know, I'm 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 not sold on her as such. Um, I wish I win. I think is a ripping chance, and at eight bucks, like we're looking at at the horse, never missed the trifecta at the distance. I thought he was enormous in that new market flying down the outside I thought he was brilliant first up behind Coolangatta and I think he's a live chance as is Private Eye Passive Aggressive is interesting Like I, I do understand that the, the horse beat Eduardo last start in the in the Group 1 challenge oh sorry the Group 2 challenge but this is another kettle of fish this race and I thought the horse had the, the ra- run of the race last start and was entitled to win probably by more um, Mazu is obviously a, a superstar horse and he, he's just that slight tier below the superstars but you know he's going to run you a good race Lofty Strike we know is awesome in that in that new market running um, running within a length of In Secret and actually beating home I Wish I Win the problem is the weight shift between a Wish I Win and him and this will be the first time he goes around the Sydney Sydney way of going so I'm not sure, but again, I'm, I'm Julius Sandy, like the Yagis. They're both very, very underrated trainers. I wouldn't put a pen through them. And the other interesting horse in this race is Lost and Running. Now, I do understand he's drawn the car park, but his trial on the 7th of March was very, very, very good. And yes, he's had um, a very dis- disrupted campaign. I, I 
I'm not sure if he's missed a run or not, but he's had two trials leading up to this, and the most recent one was very good, and he has a wonderful first up record, and he has a wonderful track and distance record here too. Huey Bowman is absolutely flying in Hong Kong, so if he brings that form, I think he's a really, really good chance. So, as you can see, I can make a case for a lot of these horses um, in this race, and to be honest, if you would put a gun to my head, I'd be saying Nature Strip just because I'd love to see the big boy win his fourth TJ and and stamp himself as a, as a, as one of the, the greatest sprinters of all time that Australia's seen and maybe even retirement. I don't know, but let's wait and see. But I do have um, a lot of concerns with Giga Kick. I wish I win. Lost and running, all running bottlers and even Private Eye. So gun to my head, Nature Strip, but what an incredible, um, incredible race. And... If you're looking at quality numbers, I'd probably put Giga Kick, Nature Strip, I Wish I Win, Private Eye, and Lost and Running in there. All right, so there. <laughs> now we move on to the Doncaster, the, the second race of, second group one race, and, and arguably the hard, one of the hardest races that you can pick in a year. Being the uh, uh, Randwick Mile handicap for three odds and upwards, it's just so hard. You've got a, horses on the minimum of 49 kilos, and you've got a top weight of 57 and a half. So... The discrepancies, excuse me, of weights is just enormous. So I think what we can do is let's just start with um, with numerical order and we'll make our way down. So traditionally in the last few years, the All-Star Mile has actually been a wonderful form guide moving into this Doncaster. And again, we look at Mr. Brightside. I thought he was amazing in that All-Star Mile. He just he rolled straight into that mile, handled the trip perfectly, kicked and just, just savaged that line. Now, interestingly enough, he, he actually won this race last year, as, as some of you may be aware, and he does have a five kilo weight increase because he's obviously won the group one since then and, and gone on to bigger and better things. But with Zach Purton on board, drawn the inside pole, he's a ripping chance and, and I wouldn't talk you out of him. We've got alligator blood here as well. Um, as I said in the, in the review podcast of the All-Star Mile, I thought his run was a very interesting one in the All-Star Mile. I thought he'd sit outside lead, and he actually ended up sitting um, two pairs back. He then went a bit of a bumping duel around the bend, which I think he lost momentum for, and I just think the race shape just didn't suit him. Tim Clark now jumps on board. Now we know my thoughts on Tim Clark, particularly on a leader. So I think he's jumped off um, the Gaybot horse, the other one. Uh, who are we talking? Where are we? He's jumped off Hope in Your Heart as well, who's another horse I really, really like. So And Converge, who was very good behind um, Animo last start. So he's jumped off to jump on Alligator Blood. So I think that's a sign of intent from the Gaybot yard in thinking Alligator Blood is probably their number one seed, purely for the fact that they put their best jockey on. Um, Fangirl, who we've been spruiking a lot in um, over the podcast. She's had some enormous runs, and unfortunately, she's met Animo each time. She's run a placing behind him and, and been within a length of him for the, the first two starts, and then within a half a length of this last start, the George Ryder. Now, the George Ryder, again, is an elite um, lead-up to this race and, and has produced some pretty good winners in the past. She gets Joe Marrera on board, who we know from Hong Kong days is an elite world-class jockey. Finally um, bumps Voldemort off, he's on Zoo Gotcha. The only concern I have is is the barrier and, and whether she has the capacity to loop such a big field and storm down the outside. She's so well in the weights, like 53 and a half after racing with 57 kilos in, in weight for age. Like it's pretty, pretty good and $8 odds, like that's pretty, pretty good um, odds to find out. 
Protagonist was good in first up in that 2,000 metre race, drops back down to the mile and drops massively in weight to 50 kilos. Benny Thompson, elite rider, drops on board. We've got Converge, who I thought, I, I've been potting Converge for probably six months now, and I thought he was enormous behind Animo last start in that rider. He comes into this race full of form. We spoke about Osipenko before, Michael D, who we've got a good opinion of, is in this race and carrying 49 kilos. Communist is a horse that I really, really like. Again, I've got concerns around the barrier, but we've got the informed title Schiller on board. The horse drops from 56 kilos, which he carried in a weight for age contest, to now 49 kilos. And his run in the Rand with Guineas was enormous. He beat Lindemann, who's obviously um, franked that form and gone on to win that, that, that potted Rose Hill Guineas. He's beaten Zoo Tiger, Af Cabin, Williamsburg. Like, I think he's a really live chance. Now, the other horse that really interests me is this Duke de Sessa. Now, it's a it's an overseas import that Kieran Maher and Eustace have bought. Now, he um, is normally a 2,000, 2,400-meter 2, horse, but he had a really, really good trial back there in mid-March um, at Warwick Farm with Dylan Gibbons on board over the 1,200. I love the way he just sat outside leading and he cruised up and he ended up putting them away very, very easily under a quite a tight hold so I wouldn't be letting him go around without um without a little bit of coin on it at $21 he's drawn perfectly to just stalk this speed I think he's a live chance we've got Kerwin's Lane who we've got in the black book drops drops in weight Ben Mellum on board but has drawn the car park and I don't think his turn of foot is as good as some of the other horses who are meeting him actually better at the weights like Fangirl and then we've got Pride of Jenny, who drops in weight, or slightly drops in weight, but had, gave it a real slight in that Group 1 Coolmore won by Espiona. So I think this race, again, is a huge lottery. And again, like the TJ, if you came to me and, and, and made your case for a few horses, I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't talk you out of it. Um, in terms of the bet, if you want to put my gun to my head, I'd probably have a couple of bets, small bets on Communist and Duke de Sessa, and then probably on Fangirl as well, just purely for the fact that we've been on her or on her, I guess, in her supporting or in her, on her bandwagon over the last prep. And I think she deserves a group one. And I think with Animo out of this race, I think this, this gives her a really, really good chance. So they're my three bets. But if you're looking purely from a quaddie perspective, I'd probably put Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood, Fangirl, um, Communist, Duke de Sessa, uh, Hope in Your Heart, Cepheus, uh, Pride of Jenny, and that would be it for me. All right, so that brings us to now race nine, which is the, the derby, the ATC derby, which is a really, really good race. I love it. Now, it, it's the match race between the, the VRC derby, um, Quinella in Sharp and Smart, and Man's always coming through. We've got Pericles, who's coming out of that, that, that race behind Lindemann in the Rose Hill Guineas. And then we've got Mark Twain, who was very, very good behind Sharp and Smart in the, in the New Zealand derby. So I think the first starting point is obviously the New Zealand horse in Sharp and Smart. He was, he's simply awesome. I think he's gone to another level this prep and um, I think he's coming of age as a, um, as a late season three-year-old. So I thought he was immense in that, in that race. He put him away and he won very well. Now, he's, I've heard a lot of commentary about him and now there's uh, quite a similarities between him and Animo in terms of they don't put races away, but they just do what's needed. So I think he's your great starting point. I think at $3.90, or what, what sort of price? Yeah, you're $3.90 with Neds. Like, 
that's an unbelievable price for a horse that you know is going to do very well. Love Huey Bowman booked. The barrier is a slight concern, but I think you can get him to settle over that trip, and I think he'll be finishing off very strongly. Now, I have really significant concerns with Pericles and elliptical running out of strong 2,400 metres. So I thought uh, Lyndon was there to be beaten by, by Pericles, and and he kicked back and didn't win. So if you gun to my head, if you're asking me for a bet in this race, I actually think it would be just to lay Pericles. I don't think he's going to see out the trip, to be honest. So I don't like the horse in this race. Um, Man's voice, I think, has got a, a similar profile to last prep. I don't, I didn't like his sectionals there in, in that Rose Hill Guineas, but again, it was a slowly run race. And the, the top two who are probably sitting top two in the run actually were the ones that fought it out. So I don't know. He gets a, certainly gets a jockey upgrade in, in K-Mac to, to Michael D. And we know Michael D is riding an absolute hot form right now. And he reacquaints himself with a horse that he won the VRC Derby on. So I think at $19, I think he's a wonderful price to find out. And being a bit of a boyfriend of mine, I'll probably have a little bit on. But in terms of this race, like... There's a few live chances. I think Stroke of Luck was very unlucky last start in that, in that Tullock. And like I spoke to you about last week, the Tullock is a really, really good lead-up to the race, to the to the derby, where they get that 2,000-metre run under their belt. They then springboard into with that, that fitness fitness edge, and, and then they can obviously go to a greater things and stepping up in trip. Tommy Mark one we know, is an elite world-class jockey, and, and I thought yeah, the horse was very unlucky in that Tullock. I'm not sure he would have won, but I certainly get, would have would have said he fought out the finish in the placings. Uh, Full of Serenity was also good in that in that Tullock behind uh, Tapple Doodle Doo. Uh, Virtuous Circle. Oh God, where do we start with him? I think he's had one of the worst preps that you could probably put a horse through if you're heading towards an ATC derby. He was sound in that autumn stakes, but then he went to that Australian Guineas and was very good, clocking some great sectionals. But I just don't know what Liam Howley was thinking, taking him to the Australian Cup. I thought he should have brought him up here for the Rose Hill Guineas, probably let him run around and make him hit the line strongly, and I think it would have been a much better setup heading towards this derby rather than pretty much just running up bums in that Australian Cup and and I don't know what I just don't know what he was thinking so he's another one but he's he's at odds and he's drawn the car park Brett Pebble on board is a much better booking definitely so it's a very very open race and I I don't I don't know if, if Pericles starts with a three in front of its name I'll be laying pretty much laying the shit out of him because I don't think he'll run the trip but gun to my head I think you're gonna go sharp and smart from Mark Twain and I think you could probably put in your with the New Zealand, oh, I've got to, I've got to back the New Zealand form after potting it this entire prep. So sharp and smart from Mike Twain, and I think man's always stroke of luck, full of uh, sincerity, and maybe virtuous circle finishing off strongly. So I think they're your yeah, quality numbers in that race. All right, so the Grace Ten now, which comes to the PJ Bell Stakes over twelve hundred meters. Now this is an easy race to analyse. Opal Ridge, I think, is a dead set model. All right, so I'll be standing him out in my quaddy. The figure that he put, um, sorry, that she put up first up in the Derby Munro at Rose Hill was just enormous. It was the fastest 1,200 metre uh, race of the day, uh, beating home the slipper, and I think it was a group three, but Zapateo won uh, from Palazapan in there, but it was the fastest group one. The horse trialled like a rocket um, leading into this prep. I think the horse is on a, from what I can gather or what I've heard, she's on a Stradbroke path and I think she's favourite for the race now. So I think this is a, a, a really good race for her. She's drawn really, really well. I have uh, 
portray leading this race from Magic Time and, and Parasail. Uh, Lady Laguna also rolling forward. And I think with that barrier 10, I think you can Opal Ridge can just sit outside, maybe three, four, five pairs back, and just unleash that blistering turn of foot like she did last up. And I think she'll just win this race. So this could potentially be a bet for the podcast. I think 260 is quite short, but as the figure that she put up first up, I think is very, very, very good. So that's the Randwick card. Um, obviously, like I said, I'll, I'll be posting some, some bets on the socials and we'll get Con to post them on Saturday morning, maybe Saturday mid-morning so we'll, we can see a few races going around. But I'm not keen to bet in any races before race four. So um, just keep an eye on the, on the socials there. So I thought let, let's touch on Bendigo as well because there, there's a couple of good races going around there. So we've got... The, we've got the Bendigo Guineas, Golden Mile, and the Golden Bracelet all over there. So um, there's no rain expected um, between now and Bendigo Day. The race is in the, tr- uh, the rail's in the true position, which is great. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but so I'll give you a rundown of the Bendigo track. So it's really like a like a zero turned up, um, turn, turn sideways. So it's got like this like kind of circular type turning track, but a long straight. I think it's 400 and... 10, maybe 420 metres. So what you'll find is that statistically you'll find that horses that run on, um, they're more favoured because there is a slight uphill rise in the straight like the sand down track. So you find that those horses drawn outwards in those sprint races and and the horses drawn outwards in those races actually get a, a, a better chance. So I wouldn't be stressing too much by a leader bias, but just keep an eye on it like you always do. So I never recommend people betting into races before race day until you see the first few races purely for the fact that sometimes the better ground is on the inside and and those horses that get to it usually can can leapfrog around the bend but if you're looking bendigo traditionally as a track it it, it can favor those to run on so at least if you've got a horse that's drawn outwards i wouldn't be freaking out that's for sure all right so the first race i want to touch on is is the the gold bracelet there so it's it's a nifty little race now um, I'm just getting it up on my thing. So the gold bracelet is uh, race five on the card. So it's over 1,400 metres. Um, currently, we've got a soft six track, but I think it'll it'll improve as come race time. So looking at this field, it's, it's, it's quite nifty. So Foxy Frieda, funnily enough, won this race last uh, year. Loves the track and trip. So it's had two starts here for a first and a second. Now, what I do love is Billy Egan is back. So I know he suffered some, I think he had a leg injury and I think he's been building up to it. Okay, yeah, he had a fall. So funnily enough, the last time that we had this race was when Billy Egan was on. So this was back in April last year. Billy Egan won on, on Foxy Frieda. She's drawn really, really nicely in the field and I think 550 is a really, really good price. Now, certainly you can make a case for Belle Pussier and Belle Savoir. Um, Nick Ryan is absolutely flying, all right? Um, the horse has got a wonderful first up record, has drawn the inside pole. Um, life lessons, I thought, was sound behind Scolopini there in the Shaftesbury Avenue. And Belle Plessier, we know, is a horse that flies first up. And I think, like, judging by the fact that there's been early market support from $4 into around the three or $3.90 mark or thereabouts, like one would suggest that the horse is uh, in, a, in a good state. So... It's a really, really good nifty-looking field. Gun to my head, I'm probably going to say Foxy Frieda just because I know that she, she'll she handle the track and she's won here before and she's got a big booming finish on her. Um, has a decent first-up record too. So, yeah, good good race. No bet from me, So, but I just thought I'd touch on it. 
Um, the next race that we want to touch on is the Golden Mile. So I actually love this race. So we've got Muhammad who's who's having his 11th run this preparation. And honestly, he's just absolutely flying. He's, a, he's an absolute marvel. And, and Nick Ryan just says the horse continues to improve back at home. He's loving, loving what he's doing. So... I think 245 is a, a short price for him, though, considering like he didn't beat much last start at, at the Valley over the mile. And I think here to shock is a very good horse. Um, obviously loses the informed Blake McDougall, but does get Daniel Stackhouse. Now, it was interesting enough in the Echuca Cup over the 1,400 metres back there in mid-March, or I think it was the 12th of March, the horse actually had a real notable drift. And I think that was probably for the fact that Echuca that got into the heavy range. And here to shocks ne- never performed on the heavy track before, but the way the horse just put that field away by about three lengths was just awesome. Actually drops in weight from that run and gets Daniel Stackhouse, who I'm a big, big fan of. So I think the horse is... I think if you're looking at probably from a price perspective, I'd be taking here to shock over Muhammad. You've got Just Folk, who is just killing it. He... I listened to an in- interview with Josh Julius, and he actually said this is the... This is the fittest he's ever had the horse first up, and he was awesome behind Scolopini in that Shaftesbury Avenue, which we, we touched on earlier with Life Lessons. Um, I think he's in great he's in great state of mind to, to be racing in here. He hasn't one second up, which is a bit of a concern, but he is trained on track, and he does get Harry Coffey, who I'm, I'm also a big, big fan of here. Um, outside of that, I'm not sure if I could make a case for anything else. So if you are playing quaddies there at Bendigo, I'd just be putting five, nine, and two. But if if you think here to shock or just folk can can knock Muhammad um, off, I'd just be putting those two in there. So yeah, great race. Um, gun to my head in this bet, I'd probably put here to shock on because I just think the horse is drawn really nicely to sit just off the speed from uh, Rambler Brebel, and I think there's a chance that uh, Muhammad will be might might be buried amongst some horses. All right, so. Yeah, that's, that's my tip in the race, but again, I'll, I'll go and let you guys know. All right, so that moves into the last race on the card. Uh, not the last race, sorry. We'll touch on uh, seven, so skip one, sorry, guys. So this is the Bendigo Guinea. So really, really good race, and there's um, a horse that I've got a very, very strong opinion of in this race in Marble Arch. So I think I, I sent this round to the boys um, at Packenham, I think on the 2nd of March. I said this horse is an absolute living and breathing moral in this Future Stars series, which it duly saluted very, very nicely. Now, if you look at that race, you've had a lot of horses have come out of it and actually really performed nicely. So Helix at its next start, so 0.5 the length off Marble Arch, went at a next start with Gringotis, who we can tie back in with El Salado. They gapped the field at their next start and put up a really, really good figure at Sandown. Bel Air won very, very nicely in that unfortunate race that um, that fluorescent star part was passed away and or fell in, has won very nicely. And El Salado was uh, one of our little Thursday tips that we passed on to, to the, you guys for the early listeners. So horses have won very well since that race. So one would suggest that this future star series is actually a really, really good form race coming out of it. And I think $5 is a great price to find out. Now, is it me was that unlucky run that I think everyone saw in that last race at, at Flemington. It was that unknown horse that Daniel Bowman trains. The horse was just running up bums the entire straight, got clear air probably in that last 100 to, to 50 metres or so, and absolutely rocketed the line only to go down by 0.5 the length. Now, the the syndicates wanted to be with it. Early price uh, players took it. It was a really good start. So I'm not sure what the... 
what the the ceiling is with that horse. And I think six bucks again is another really really good price to to find out. Now we know Meridius won very well last start, so you can't you can't obviously um, sack it. We've got Waltz on by who comes out of that Parisvale race. Now Parisvale's fancied in that last race that um, Opal Ridge is running in at Randwick, so I don't think you can pen that horse. And I think with Billy Egan back on is a real positive thing. So I think it's a very good race. In the gun to my head, I'm probably going to go Marble Arts purely for the fact that I think it maps better than Is It Me? Because in this race, I've got um, my map has Waltz on by leading with DK sitting outside. And then you've got a few other horses kicking up in Elkington Road, My Brother's Keeper, uh, Quantrang and Do It Larkin all roll forward as well. So I have Marble Arts sitting probably four or five pairs back off the fence. So it should be able to come around that bend and really launch with that big turn of foot late. Um, I do concede, obviously, Marble Arch is stepping up from the 1,400 metres to the 1,600 metres for the first time, but I, the, the Hayes boys are very, very good trainers, so I wouldn't be um, putting a pen through that. But gun to my head in that race, I think Marble Arch looks the, looks the race purely for the fact that it's maps better, and I think price is good, and I think the format of that Future Star Series is really holding up as a race. And I think, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if we see more winners come out as they start to, to be nommed and get into the races. So now we're going to touch around some horses around the grounds that I'm intrigued by. Again, these aren't bets, but it's just horses that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. So we'll go to Morfittville Race 7 there. So there's a listed race there now. There's a horse that we've been on in the past in All About Eve. Now, I do obviously know that we don't have John Allen or a senior jockey on board. We've got Will Price back in the weight. So this horse put up some very, very good figures last start, particularly first up at Ballarat. Now, they were, they were group class figures. So we know the horse can fire first up. It's got low in the weights. Barrier one is a little bit concerned because I know the horse drops out the back. So I'm worried that it's going to get buried on the fence. And I think $16 is, is a decent price. So I really like the horse. I hate the barrier. And I think this, this field is probably at its level at the present moment. But it would not surprise me to see it storm down the outside with the low weight um, and, and winning that race. And we touched on this regarding Zoe's promise in the ninth race. So obviously she's drawn the inside pole. She's got Zoe, um, sorry, Zoe, she's got Kayla Crowther on board, who's a really, really good jockey. Um, she maps to lead this race very, very easy. I think you've got Billy Bronx and uh, Imbibe, I think, yeah, or Imbibe, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, rolling forward also and sitting outside. So it's a really, really good race. I think 550 is a bit short, particularly considering as time goes by, I think is a very, very good horse, but... Again, it is a maiden. So, yeah, yeah, tough field. Um, I think the horse is better suited here. And I think the the, the drop back in grade from, from group revel to, to listed race is probably better suited for um, Zoe's promise. But again, I'll let you guys know if, it, if it's a bet or not. All right, so the last one I want to touch on is in Doombin race eight. All right, so it's just a benchmark 85 in this race now. What I find interesting, you've got manhood there at the top of the market around the $2.60 mark. And... Don't get me wrong, I think this horse is really good. I loved what he did last start at Eagle Farm over the 1,200 metres. He was there to be beaten in that class six, and he just kept trucking to the line. So I think he's a very, very tough horse. He loves the track and trip. He loves the distance. So he's handled Eagle Farm excuse me, before, and he's only ever missed the top three once in his career. So he's, he is a very good horse. So don't get me wrong about that. The horse that I'm very, very keen on in this race is Zuma California. 
Now, if you go back and watch the, the BM78 that ran on the 18th of March here at Durban over the 10.50, he missed the start. He then was out the back and then had, had the apprentice on board. Who's CJ Graham? Is it, she's a good jockey. Um, but it's out the back, but absolutely trucked to the line. I loved what the horse did. I thought it was awesome. And I thought Situation Room had the run of the race. So I just can't see why there's $11 and a $4.80 difference in pricing. Um, I think I would have loved to take that early price in the $23 for Zuma California, but I don't think I was the only one to see that run last start. So on an each-way play, I love Zuma California in this race, and I think... He's primed second up, loves the distance, has handled Dooman before. He's never won at the track, but I know he's, he loves the distance. So I think if you're looking at purely from a price perspective, around that $11, $12 mark, I think is a really good um, really good um, odds to, to find out, I guess. So that's the only one I really like at Dooman, but I haven't really dug deep into those races. Um, Corbs will probably have a better, better insight into this, but we've got a... The Roma Cup over there in Ascot is Group 3 race. Now, I think this is one of the lead-up races to that Quokka, which is that $5 million sprint for, like, kind of, I guess, your, your B-graders. Now, I know a common James, us four, Shades of uh, Roses are all heading over there for that, and potentially Kementari and maybe Paul Ailey, I'm not sure. But anyway, you've got Amelia's Jewel at the top of the market there, who's also, I think, favourite for the race. So she sits around the $2.60 mark there over the 1100 um, I guess we'll wait to see what Corb says regarding this. And if he's, he's keen, just check the socials um, and, and, and hop on. $2.60 is a good price to find out for a horse that could be actually a freak. So, yeah, who knows? So, good horse. Just keep an eye on it. And if you're, if you're keen to watch it or keen to bet later in the day after you're having to fill up on all the other, horse, um, all the other horses that we're going to get on, then she might be a bet for us later in the day. Now, I know you guys are keen on some early plays or some, some sneaky little tips. Now, I've got one over there in, in Japan on Sunday. So, it's at Hanshin, so you have to go looking for it now. Some bookies will put up fixed odds now or, or once the barrier draw occurs. Others will put them up probably between 5 and 15 minutes before the race. So, you probably have to set an alarm. So, it's a 2,000-meter race um, called the Osaka High. All right? Now, I've probably got that really wrong, but who cares? Now, there's a horse in this race called Geraldina. I really like the race. So it raced behind Equinox, who we spoke about, uh, who we bet on, obviously, last weekend. Now, it was enormous in that race. Now, Equinox, we know, is, is a world-class and elite galloper, and, and who knows what the ceiling is with that horse. But this horse was really trucking to the line, making ground up late behind, um, behind Equinox. And I think $5 is a great price to find out. Um, haven't seen the barrier draw or anything like that. So I just looked at the all-in markets there on Bet365. And yeah, around the $5 mark, I think, is a really good price. So I'll be having a little play on on Sunday on the horse. So feel free to jump on if you if you like it. Um, I think the horse is a really, really good horse. And I think it just met an absolute freak. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Now, I'm not sure when Connie's going to post this out for, for, the, for you guys. So... There's one here on Thursday that I'm quite keen on um, in uh, Pakenham. So we're looking past it. I'm just getting it up now. So it raced at Mooney Valley last weekend and was really, really unlucky. 
I thought the race shape was against it, and it's actually been met with a bit of market support overnight. It's called Morpheus Bragi in race five. Now, gets Jamie Mott. Now, I'm not too concerned by the weight. I think the, the horse is a big horse. It's carried 58 kilos before and won very well. Gets Jamie Mott, who's a, who's a good jockey. Um, I think it was really unlucky last start, and he was awesome in packing them 1,200 metres, breaking its maiden on the heavy deck. So I think it's a really, really good play. It's a BM58, so it drops back in grade. Um, I'm keen to play. Obviously, it's come, I took, I think, about 4, 450, I think, about the horse. So it's into 290 now, so it's certainly been met with support. So we'll see what happens with the horse. If you don't listen to that, um, unfortunately, we just will we'll miss out on it. But um, that's probably all I've got for you guys. So good luck punning. Again, apologies for, for just hearing my shit-ass voice and, and not having any of the banter of the lads. But uh, hopefully we've got some winners on the weekend. Enjoy championships day one.